We're in Yavamos, Nenzayin, the last line on Nenzayin of Beis 57b2 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Moving on to Nenchas Menalaf 58a1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Just a quick review over what we covered to understand the coming Gemara. But we had a Mishnah, and the Mishnah had a dispute, the Machlokas, between Rav Meir and Rav Laz and Rav Shimon about the following case. What happens if a Kohen, let's say, marries a divorcee? That's not allowed. Uh, but the case is where they only got engaged. And so the question is, is the wife allowed to eat truma? In general, a Kohen who marries a Yisrael, she then is allowed to eat truma. But what happens if the relationship is a prohibitive relationship? They're not allowed to get married. So certainly, if they have bia, if they have marital relations, so then that certainly disqualifies her from eating truma on a biblical level. The question of the Mishnah was what happens if they only got engaged? They did not. They only got engaged. They did not have marital relations. Uh, is she disqualified or not? So Romero says yes. She's disqualified. She cannot eat truma, even let's say if she's a kohen herself. She's the daughter of a kohen. She also cannot eat truma, and this is all on a rabbinic level because it's going to lead eventually to having marital relations. Rabbi Lazar and Shimon say no. It's not true. Uh, they they could eat truma. It would be permissible for them to eat truma as long as they never had, even though they have to get divorced, but as long as they're married, it's viewed as a legal marriage because it's an ordinary negative commandment. Uh, so it is a legal marriage. Uh, they have to get divorced because they're not allowed to remain married, but until they get divorced, she would be allowed to eat truma. Then the Gemara discussed a different case, and that case was a case of, let's say, according to Rashi, where they did the chuppah, they did the actual marriage without doing any engagement without having any engagement, only the actual marriage, without having <coughs> marital relations, so let's say the canopy or yichud, uh, going into a secluded room together, different uh, ways of fulfilling the actual marriage. It's not as much of a real act itself as the actual engagement. It's sort of like the end process, uh, but still they did the chuppah, but they never did the engagement. So that does that disqualify her or not? So that is a dispute between Rav and Shmuel, and it seems like from the Gemara uh, that they are going within both opinions, Rav Meir and Rav Lazar and Shem, meaning regardless of what you hold of by if you only had an engagement, Rav says that if you just did the chuppah, you just did the chuppah, you just did the marriage without doing the engagement, so then that does disqualify you according to everybody, even according to Rav Lazar and Shem. And Shmuel says, no, according to everybody, it does not disqualify you, meaning even according to Rav Meir, who says engagement disqualifies you, if you just did the chuppah, Romero would say that that does not disqualify you, presumably because just doing the chuppah wouldn't mean anything. You have to do a chuppah after an engagement. Uh, and that is the position of Shmuel. So the Gemara now says, Amar Rabbi Rachama, third opinion, Yesh chuppah l'psulis, banal machlogas, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Rachama says, this whole discussion about what happens if you have chuppah without an engagement really is a dispute between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon, the same dispute that exists with regards to an engagement before having marital relations also exists with regards to being uh, having the chuppah, the marriage, even though there was no engagement, uh, provided that they never had marital relations. Meaning as follows, the Rameir, Damri Kedushin Pasli, Chuppanami Pasli. According to Rameir, that engagement alone uh, disqualifies her from eating truma, so then so too the chuppah alone would disqualify her. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, Damri Kedushin, Lo Pasli, Chuppanami Lo Pasli. Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon hold that, who hold that uh, having an engagement alone does not disqualify her from truma would also hold that the chuppah alone, without having an engagement, just doing the chuppah, the canopy, or 
the yichud being secluded alone, that also would not disqualify her from eating truma. So Gemara says, why would we make the connection? There's a clear difference in, in both directions between an engagement alone and the marriage alone without an engagement. We might. According to a mayor who says that just having an engagement that disqualifies her, maybe because that's an actual, for lack of a better word, acquisition. It, it's, a, it's a real Kenyan. It, it, something uh, takes place in terms of giving either a ring or a marriage document. There's something really... Uh, from a from a Kenyan perspective, from an acquisition perspective, really took place there. But when it comes to chapa, chapa alone without an engagement, it's not anything. Nothing legal actually uh, took place. It's really the end of a process. It's hard to even define what exactly the process is uh, to get married. It's some symbolic idea. It's not necessarily the giving of a, a ring or money or of a document, but it's just symbolic and a symbolic idea. So that doesn't create a real uh, acquisition. And so then maybe your mayor would agree that she's, she would be allowed to eat truma. And so too in the other direction, in the opposite direction, Inami, I can look If all you had was an engagement, so that doesn't disqualify her because that's so far away from having marital relations. Marital relations could only happen not during the time period of engagement, but after you're fully married. But by having a chuppah, it's true, a chuppah without engagement is not a, it's not as uh, tangible to, to really relate to uh, an aqua form of an acquisition, but it still it brings them closer to having marital relations. And so then maybe it should disqualify them from eating truma. Because in the end of the day, it's about the fact that this is a relationship which will lead to marital relations, which are prohibition. And that those marital relations itself, everyone agrees to, uh, certainly disqualifies her from eating truma. So that is the end of that part of the Gemara. The Gemara now says, okay, it might not be a dispute between Rameyer and Rablaz and Rameshimen, but maybe we could have the following dispute from the following Tanaim, from the following rabbis from the time period of the Mishnah. The Tanya, as it says in Abraisa, from the times of the Mishnah. Nisu zu lazu cheros upsulos they first quote the first opinion, who it seems like he's saying two different things. It sounds like he's saying that the first, if the, we have a Kohen, let's say, who marries somebody who's divorced, um, either they get fully married, that's what it first sounds like it's saying, or let's say they only went to the Chuppah, but they did not have marital relations, then she is allowed to eat Shuma. She's allowed to eat Shuma. So that seems to be, at least according to the first opinion, a proof that you are allowed to eat truma. So the Gemara just explains. Could you really say that we're discussing a case where they actually uh, got married? If they actually got married, so then presumably they had marital relations. If they had marital relations, she certainly is not allowed to eat truma. So the case must be, it's really one case. All we're discussing here is one case. Don't think it's two cases, really it's one case. The whole case here is where they had a chuppah without an engagement. And they did not have marital relations yet. According to this first opinion, it says that she could eat truma. She, it is, she is allowed to eat truma. That is opinion number one. But opinion number two is, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka Omer, Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka says, Kol Ein Chupasa Machilasa. 
any scenario where having marital relations will lead to her being allowed to eat truma, so then just the chuppah alone, the marriage alone, without actually having marital relations, will also allow her, allow her to eat truma. And if the bia, if the marital relations disqualifies her from eating truma, so then the chuppah also disqualifies her from eating truma. So this second opinion seems to be of the, of the opinion that chuppah alone, without having marital relations, would disqualify her from eating truma. Because he says that just like by having bia, by having marital relations, that disqualifies her, so, so too chuppah would disqualify her. That's the marriage without an engagement. So there seems to be this dispute. The first opinion says she could eat truma. second opinion says she can't eat truma. And presumably they're all discussing a case where there was a chuppah, uh, a marriage without an engagement, and they did not have marital relations yet. Sigmar says, no, hold on a second. The second opinion we can explain differently. Mimai. Maybe when he said his statement, the second statement that says that she's not allowed to eat, if it's gonna, if it's a situation, a scenario where it's a Cohen marrying, let's say, a, someone who's divorced, and the marital relations will disqualify her, when he said that the chuppah will disqualify her, he didn't really mean the chuppah, he really meant engagement, but he wasn't discussing an actual case of a chuppah of a marriage without an engagement. He was discussing the, the case of engagement, which was the position of Rav Meir. That's, that was Rav Meir in the Mishnah. So the says, wait a minute. So then if that's the case, so then why did Rishmael use the language of a chuppah? A chuppah is the marriage. Why didn't he just use a case of an engagement, like keseth, like money? So the Gemara says, no, he just used a similar language. Because the first opinion clearly says that there was a chuppah. So it's true, according to the first opinion, that's clear. That there was a chuppah. She would be allowed to eat truma. That was the, opinion of the, that was the position of the first opinion. So maybe his response back, even though he was only discussing not the actual marriage, not the chuppah, but only the engagement, but he uses the same language because the first opinion also uses the same language. So he just wanted to use the same language, even though he's discussing a very different case. He's discussing the case of just an engagement. Uh, so it's clear, according to him, or at least there's a possibility that according to him, it's not, it's, he's not referring to the chuppah. We can't bring any proof to him that it's about the marriage alone without having marital relations. She is not allowed to eat shema. We do not necessarily prove that from uh, Rabbi Shmuel, the second opinion's uh, language, because he could be referring to just a regular case of, or a case of an engagement. And that's what he's saying, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a marriage without an engagement and, and without having married relations will disqualify her from eating truma. Okay, that is all uh, within that brisa, within uh, that particular brisa. The Gemara now tries to bring support for Rav that there is, we do say, that doing a chuppah, doing the marriage alone, without an engagement and without having married relations, just the chuppah alone, uh, a marriage without any, a, pr- a prior engagement would disqualify her from eating truma. What is that case? And we can bring support from a Mishnah. Amr of Amram. Amram says, Hi, Milsa Amr Lan Rav Sheshis. Rav Sheshis told us the following. And he showed it from a Mishnah that what? Yesh Chupa That really we can prove in the Mishnah. So far we had the opinion of Rav. Rav is uh, from much later, he's from the time period of the Gemara. But he says we could even prove it from the Mishnah that we hold yesh chuppah lupsolis, that, that having a chuppah, having a marriage without an engagement, 
would also disqualify her from eating truma, even though they did not yet have marital relations. Everybody agrees that if they had marital relations, that would disqualify her. Uh, but what happens if it's a relationship of, let's say, uh, for now, for until now, we've been discussing the case of a Kohen to somebody who was divorced. They have to get divorced, but it is viewed as a legal marriage. Uh, so she would be allowed to... How do we know that this would disqualify her from eating truma? Because the Brisa says as follows. Amen. What we're discussing here, just a little bit of a background, is we're discussing the case of a Sota. Essentially, the case of a Sota is when a husband is suspects that his wife is committing adultery. And so he tells his wife, listen, you cannot uh, be with that person who I, I think that you're having... Uh, you cannot be secluded... With that person that you are, that I suspect that you're having, adu- you're committing adultery with, and in the end, uh, what happens? She's. Uh, it seems as though that she committed. Uh, she was secluded. She was alone with this man. So that's the sota process, and she has to take an oath. She's required to take an oath to say that she did not commit adultery. Once she takes an oath, so not only do we say that uh, she didn't commit. Uh, not only do we make her take a, an oath that she didn't commit adultery, we add on to that oath. What do we add on to that oath? This is something which is called Gilgal Shuos, that once she's taking an oath, it's beyond just what uh, was the original suspicion, but she takes an oath regards to many things. Amen, the repetition of the word Amen, means that she swears for the following. Four cases. She takes an oath about four cases. Case number one, is that she did not commit adultery when they were engaged. Case number two is that they did not commit adultery when they were married. Or if it's a case where she was a Shomeris Yavam, where she was waiting to do Yibam, her husband passed away without any children, and she's waiting to do Yibam, she did not commit adultery at that time, which, just to point out, um, according to most opinions, that would just be a, a regular negative commandment to, to, to commit adultery at that stage. And she also didn't commit adultery after she performed Yibam, which... Seems to be just a regular marriage. Once you do Yibam, it seems like it's a regular marriage, which the Gemara will get to. But those are the four cases. Engaged, married, waiting to do Yibam, and then married uh, from the Yibam, doing, actually doing Yibam. So the Gemara tries to explain as follows. What exactly is the case of Arusa? Hi Arusa, hey What is the case of engaged? That she's taking this oath to say that when she was engaged, uh, she did not commit adultery. What exactly, what are the circumstances? I don't understand. If it's the fact that when she was engaged, the husband warned her while she was engaged uh, that she cannot seclude herself with a certain man, and uh, she didn't listen and seclude herself with that man, and that's causing her to drink part of the process is that she has to drink these bitter waters uh, while she's engaged. All this took place while she was engaged. If that's the case, do we really say that an Arusa would have to drink these these waters and take this oath? But the Mishnah says that if you are engaged or you're waiting to do Yibam, in either case, you do not drink it and you don't collect your Ksuba. It says explicitly that you wouldn't drink it. The only time you drink the bitter waters is when you're actually married, not when you are engaged. So we can't be referring to a case here where you're actually just engaged the whole time. The whole the whole scenario is when you're engaged. That can't be. So what is the case? Must be that he warned her while she was in Arusa. While she was engaged, he warned her, don't be with that particular person. Vistatra, and she secluded herself with that man while she was engaged. But 
But he caused her to drink the bitter waters when she, they were married. So they got married. Basically, the case is as follows. They get engaged. He now suspects that she's committing adultery during their engagement. She then is secluded with that man during the engagement. They then get married. They go through the marriage. And then afterwards, after the marriage, he then tells her to go ahead and drink the bitter waters. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, does the water actually even uh, work in this case? Does it really work as a test? This is a very strange scenario because we're discussing a case here where not only did the husband suspect that his wife was committing adultery when they were engaged, but she was actually caught being secluded with this man. And if that's the case, if, he, she was, if he was, she was caught being secluded with this man, then until they go through the whole process of the bitter waters, so then they're not allowed to have a marital relations. And he's going ahead and marrying her. And presumably having marital relations. So how could that be? And if that does occur, if it's during that stage where we're waiting for her to drink from the bitter waters, and they have a marital relations, the husband and wife actually have marital relations, the bitter waters don't work. Because they are not allowed to have marital relations during that time. If you're waiting for her to drink the bitter waters to figure out uh, is she really telling the truth or not, you're not allowed to have marital relations during that time. If you end up having, having marital relations during, during that time, i.e. the husband and the wife, if they end up having marital relations during that time, the bitter waters will not work. So that cannot be the case here. So rather, the Gemara says, El dekani lakshi arusa v'istatra So the case perhaps must be, says the Gemara at this stage of the Gemara, the case must be where they got married, but they didn't end up having marital relations. So essentially it says follows. They get engaged. The husband suspects the wife of committing adultery. And not only that, but she's found to be secluded with that man that uh, they suspect is having committing adultery with her. Then she has to drink from the waters. Now it's true, they're not allowed to have marital relations until she drinks, the, the husband and wife cannot have marital relations until she drinks from the water, until we find out for sure what's going on. However, they're allowed to get married. They just can't have marital relations. So the case is where they did the chuppah. They got married, they, but they didn't have marital relations. And so we say from here, yesh chuppah that, uh, and, and, and then the bitter, bitter water will work uh, to, uh, to test. The, the bitter water will work uh, to see if she's telling the truth or not. It's viewed as a marriage, even though it's a chuppah lipsolas. Now, this is a different type of different type of chuppelipsolas. This is not your regular case of a Kohen marrying, let's say, somebody who's divorced. The reason why she's unfit to him is because at this stage, at this very moment, she they cannot have marital relations. There's a prohibition for them to have marital relations. So now they're getting married in a circumstance where it can lead to having marital relations, which is a prohibition at this time. Why is it a prohibition? Because she has to wait. You have to wait for her to drink the bitter waters. So at this very moment, it could be that they could have married relations later on, but at this very moment, there's a prohibition for them to have married relations because she has to drink uh, from the water. Sigmar so says, wait a minute, is it, could that really be the case? Who said that could be the case? And we're going to go above the 20-minute mark uh, to cover some ground. Amar Rava, Rava says, Is that is that how to read the Mishnah? When he came from the south, he brought with himself the following brisa. That he quoted the following brisa. The verse says, "Mi baladei 
that the case, within the case of Soto, where she commits adultery with this other man, it says, an other man other than your husband. Meaning as follows. What do we say? We said that the whole case here was where uh, they got married, but they never had marital relations. <laughs> but we have a brisa. This brisa was brought by Ravacha Brachanina, who says that the only time that we have the whole scenario of the Sota, where she drinks the water and she takes these oaths, the only time we have this is if they first were actually married and had marital relations, and then only afterwards does she commit adultery. But if she committed adultery before they even had, they, and they never had marital relations at all, then uh, we never apply this, uh, this whole Sota process. We don't, we don't do it. We only do it if they first had marriage relations. The husband and wife first had marriage relations and only thereafter did she uh, potentially commit adultery. So this is basically a rejection of what we're saying. It cannot be a case of where they got married and didn't have marriage relations yet because then there's no point of the whole Sota process. The whole Sota process can only be if she commits adultery after they actually have marriage relations. So Gemara says, no, we could come up with a case. Amar Rabbi Brahama, Mishkachasla, Kegon, Jabala, Arusa, uh, the case is where they did have marital relations. They didn't have marital relations with the intent of... Sorry, they had sexual relations, not marital relations, because they had sexual relations not for the intent of getting married. That wasn't their goal. Their goal wasn't to get married. So essentially, this is a rabbinic prohibition. Uh, a a uh, bride and groom, they're not allowed to get married while they're... They're not allowed to have sexual relations while they're engaged. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a rabbinic prohibition for them to have sexual relations while they're engaged. Uh, nevertheless, they did so. They violated, they went against uh, the rabbinic uh, commandment and they had sexual relations, not for the sake of marriage. Now that they had sexual relations, now she then, there's a potential, there's a, a suspicion that she committed adultery and then uh, she ends up drinking from the water but it was only after the marriage before they had marital relations again. So once she was actually secluded, they're not going to have marital relations and uh, so she was secluded while they were engaged. She's not, they're not going to have marital relations. But they could do a chuppah. They could do a chuppah without marital relations. So that's what they did. So the water should really check it out. The bitter water should check out whether or not she's telling the truth. Because it happens to be a case where they did have sexual relations. It wasn't uh, in the context of marriage. But they had sexual relations while they were engaged before there was this concern or suspicion that she was committing adultery. So the Gemara... Okay, so let's leave it at that for, for this recording. And we'll continue with the Gemara. We're in the middle of the topic, but we'll continue the Gemara in the next recording.